You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. It is Monday, June 10th, 2019, and this is the MMA Hour, everybody. My name is Luke Thomas. I am the host of this program. Thank you so much for watching. I greatly appreciate it. Um, okay, what a show we have planned for you guys today. Championship royalty is going to be here. Bellator bantamweight champion Darian Caldwell is going to be here at about 1 o'clock in studio right here, sitting at this seat. In my judgment, probably the best fight this weekend, at least on paper, when he rematches Kyoji Horiguchi, your Ryzen champion. Uh, that is going to be at Bellator NYC. Very much looking forward to that contest. We will talk to him about that at 1 o'clock. At 1.30... Top contender, in my judgment, the guy who should probably be next for Henry Cejudo. I guess we'll see how that all shakes out. But for sure, your top-ranked bantamweight, Aljamain Sterling, will be here. The funk master after his big win over Pedro Munoz at UFC 238. Plus, speaking of UFC 238, as well as you guys, you're going to be my guest not one but two different ways. We're going to talk about all the big issues coming out of the weekend. First, with a round of tweets using the hashtag the end of the hour. Then with your calls on the sound off. Uh, of course, you can always call 844-866-2468. Uh, international callers, as always, can email a voice clip, Hour at voxmedia.com. Okay, hope everyone had a great weekend. Uh, I spent mine trying to physically repair my body, get sleep when my daughter was asleep, and then watch MMA. I didn't really do a whole lot else. That sounds pretty standard for me. I got my hipster coffee here. Let's see how it tastes. Ready? Again, these people don't know what they're doing, but it's edible. Um, all right, so a lot to get to, a lot to get to. UFC 238 was fantastic, I thought. Generally speaking, a couple of duds here, there, some controversies here or there, but generally speaking, pretty good. Uh, I am told that we had a gazillion calls, by the way. I am told that the number of calls was astronomically high, which I always like hearing. I always like hearing that. Joe, we ready or what? Almost? One minute. Anyway, until we had a bunch of tweets as well. So thank you to everyone who sent those tweets. Keep sending them using the hashtag TheMMAHour. Keep calling 844-866-2468. If you want to turn that off or just flip the lid on it when you get a chance. Thank you, Joe. Um, and we will get going here with the calls. Yes, indeed, we will. I was going to do tweets, but I'd rather just do calls and then do tweets at the end of the show because calls are better. I like them more. Um, all right, we ready back there, boys? What's the word? Yes, no? All right, let's do it. Time now for the sound off. Okay, let's go to my man here. In the back, Danny Segura. He's there somewhere. There he is, Bigote himself. How are you, sir? I'm good, yeah. You can see Casey back there. I see Casey. Yeah, he's out do there. I, it's, it's Dos Bigotes. Dos Bigotes, yeah. <laughs> Very good. Uh, all right, well, nice to see you both, I suppose. Uh, I heard, you, as you told me, the calls... Many of them, I see. Man, we had a ridiculous amount of calls. People, it was overwhelming. People were fact, fired up. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I mean, the this was one of the best cards I've seen in a long time. Yeah, it was great. Probably the best in 2019. Yep. We actually have a question about that. All right, so. All right let's, let's just Cheers, waste not another minute. All right, well, there's a lot of pressing matters, but there's none more important than this one. Uh, a tweet came out recently, so I thought we should address it. So let's discuss that. Hey, Luke and Danny, this is Matthew calling from the armpit of the world, Regina, Saskatchewan, Canada. My question is, um, Justin Bieber just made a tweet 
tagging Dana White and asking um, if he was interested in putting on a fight between him and Tom Cruise. Now, this is obviously kind of ridiculous, but I guess my next kind of. my question would be, do you ever think we'll see two celebrities fight the octagon? And if you guys could pick two celebrities to fight the octagon, which one would you just pick? And my apologies for the ridiculous question, but it is sort of newsworthy. Thanks. Yeah, here's the answer. You've already seen a celebrity in CM Punk or Brock Lesnar, either one. Beaver versus Cruz. What you got? I let me let me explain something to you. I would rather. What would I rather do? Hmm. I would rather watch my family get set on fire in front. <laughs> I'd rather watch every member of my family, male or female, be honor killed in front of me, than spend five seconds thinking about that fight. How about that? Well, I got Beaver. I think he'd piece him. Up. He'd piece Cruz up. Beaver but. wouldn't piece up. Uh, a he kid. trains with Floyd, though. Beaver wouldn't piece. He trains with Floyd. Yeah, does he? He wouldn't. He does. He wouldn't piece up a kid's meal, please. Um, these guys who've never been in a confrontation in their life, and not that I'm Billy Badass, far from it. As a street fighter, I'm about 500, bro. I'm a journeyman on the street. I am no more, no less. But at least you know, a couple times I've had to like take care of myself to varying degrees of success. These people who've had security around them a few, a few times. They they have they live in a different universe, bro. And I take him. Let me tell you how seriously I take him. About as seriously as Drake, which is to say, not at all, not at all. How uh, dare you two, question two, Justin Bieber? Two man. zeros who know nothing about the real world. F them both. <laughs> all right. Well, let's talk about some real fighting now. And uh, you know, Henry Cejudo picked up a huge win. I think in a lot of people's eyes, he he started. Uh, I guess entering that pound for pound conversation. So let's Certainly discuss did. what's next for him. Hey, Luke. This is Peter Dempsey from uh, Yonkers, New York, the Lost Borough. I just wanted to ask about uh, Henry Cejudo and what's next for him. I don't see any way you think about him fight Cruz. Definitely not Garbrandt or whoever else he was mentioning. I see maybe Sterling. I don't know who else it could be, but I'd love to hear your take on it. Thanks, Luke. Thanks for everything. Yeah, apparently he wants to fight all of Ali's other clients. <laughs> he's got a bunch Everyone of Everyone who's not yeah. a top contender. He's got a bunch basically. of them. Yeah, it was funny all the names he yeah. called out because we know that, remember, Garbrandt was supposed to fight in the July show for Sacramento, yep. and he and his manager both said no. Ali told us that here. And then um, and then uh, Cruz is out for the foreseeable future. I, I mean, I know he's still rehabbing and he's training, but yeah. I don't know how ready he is. It was funny he didn't mention any of the top contenders. He just wanted other people with names. It's amazing that these guys, they want to prove themselves against the best fighters that they can. And this was something of a vanity fight, but also a very tough one. Yes. And then when they get to that space, they're like, I am done with the donks. I want to fight. Uh, when I say that, I mean name value. I yeah. want to fight anyone and everyone who's on anyone else's radar. This is what that pay structure incentivizes, to be quite candid with you. Boxers will fight nobody with any name because they're going to get 40 mil to do it. Triple G. Exactly. Triple yeah. G fighting, you know. He's out here just fighting. I mean, I don't want to be disrespectful, but that guy had nothing for him. Uh, and he still got paid to do it. Yeah. The reason why these guys are calling out people with names is because those are the ways they're going to maximize their pay. You want them to stop doing that? Give them a check to fight Aljamain Sterling because Aljamain Sterling, Danny Segura, is your top contender. You think that? You think that's the fight to make? It's that or Joe B, right? I like the Joe B fight a lot. You like that I one think, more? Uh, yeah, because I feel like Sterling with this win, he just got to the queue, right? To the front of the line. Um, whereas Joe B has been there for a minute and he has a win over Sohudo. Yeah, so. but he also has a fight at the end of the month. Yeah, well, b because he's had no option but to, you know, keep busy. So I, I think that should be next. And look, I'm all in, I'm, I'm all about flyweight. I like the flyweight division. I don't know why it's going away, but we're apparently not going away. Um, 
but I think I think that's the fight to make. And I think if you are going to dissolve it, I think Joe B should be at least uh, the last man to 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 get a crack at that belt. Did you see uh, Dana White's interviews or like uh, things with yeah, uh, Aaron yeah. Bronstetter? Yeah, I did. <laughs> it's like, can he answer Aaron's questions without being like awful or rude every single time? Is that possible for Dana? It's like Aaron asking the most fair, utterly reasonable questions. Yeah. It's like, what do you mean by the word gone? Have I said it's gone? Well, then if I didn't say the word gone, then it's definitely yeah, not yeah. gone. It's like, meanwhile, the division has been decimated. I think there's like 10 flyweights left or something. It's like just, okay. I mean, which is fine. Like, just say, yeah, we're going to keep it around like women's featherweight. It's going to be like the men's right. version of women's featherweight. We're just going to have it float in the background as we need it. We will use it. And that's just what it's going to be. Okay. All right. Yeah. Fine. You know. Yeah. I mean, they're pretty upfront about, you know, women's featherweight. Why can't they be about flyweight, you know, men's flyweight? I don't know. Yeah, that's a weird one. All right. Well, as I said at the top, Cejudo, you know, in, in a lot of people's eyes, not only became started, you know, became came into that pound for pound great uh, conversation, but also just in combat sports athletes in general. Yeah. I think uh, a lot of people are considered to be, you know, one of the best. Here's so. the thing. I haven't done pound for pound rankings hey, in yeah. literally years. So I don't know how I would answer that one anymore. But certainly I would say this, man. I don't think he's at the top of pound for pound, but he needs to be taken a lot more seriously than he has been. I think at a bare minimum. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Well, let's let's listen to this question and okay. discuss it. It's Paul from Chicago. Chicago. What do you think about Henry Cejudo's claim that he's the greatest combat sports athlete of all time? My opinion is definitely got to be up there, but I wouldn't give it to him because the reason he considers himself to be that, or one of the main reasons he considers himself to be that, is because of his wrestling accolades. And I think wrestling is a more limited type of combat sport. And if you're choosing the greatest combat sports athlete, it should be the closest to um, a fighting situation with reasonable restrictions, like the rules they have in place in MMA. Essentially the greatest MMA fighter of all time. All right, I'm going to cut it right These there. These MMA fans will twist. It's a great question, but MMA fans will twist themselves into a knot to yeah. say that other combat sports are limited. Let me explain something to you. Wrestling has been around for literally hundreds, if not thousands of years. Thousands of years. Okay. Yeah. And at this current level, the participatory rate of wrestling as a global sport, like how many people compete in it, is infinitely higher than MMA. There are structures in place in which to advance. In other words, to get to the highest level and stay at the highest level in wrestling, I have terrible news for MMA fans. It is way harder to do that than it is yeah. to become a high-level UFC uh, fighter. That's just a fact. It's not up for debate. It's just the reality of things. Consider Cormier made two Olympic teams. Henry could only make one. Yeah. Now, he got his act together, and this latest run, I don't mean to demean it, it's incredible. He is certainly, I think, Danny, one of the more versatile combat athletes of all time because he did well in boxing at the amateur level. Uh, obviously, his wrestling in the Olympic medal, amazing. And now what he's doing in MMA, hey, man, he's got something going here. And yeah. as I mentioned, his ability to dig deep. But, like, dude, do you understand what it takes to make four Olympic cycles and then medal in all of them? Like an Alexander Carolyn or something? Yeah. When yet the highest level of the game in a sport that has super refined, super refined skills, it's more limited, but it's much harder to master. Uh, and everybody in the world does it, and you're stomping on them for 16 years? That's harder to do. It's super hard. And, and we're discussing here, you know, the greatest uh, combat sports athlete. We're not discussing the greatest MMA fighter. So it includes, you know, all combat sports, no matter how limited or limited you think they are. So Henry Cejudo has definitely, 
I, in my opinion, I mean, I've yet to make the list, so I can't think, you know, I can't think of others, that, you know, right away. But like, Cejudo, not only is it was he amazing at wrestling, but like, look what he's doing in MMA. It's not like he's going out there and out wrestling people. Like, he he was beating. He is as needed. He, he did to yeah, Johnson. He, well, yeah, that's true. But like, for example, against uh, Moraes, he was doing great in the striking, right. like especially in that second and third round. Right. So here's what I would say, it's dude. Pretty pretty incredible the Look, fact that like he's gotten so good in the striking, yet wrestling is his base. Give him his due. What he did on Saturday is incredible, and him making that claim, I don't think it's true. But in him making it, I think he has a right to say things like that. Certainly, yeah. he, he feels that way. It makes for an interesting conversation. I think he has the right to bring it up. Like, okay, where does he rank among combat athletes? What he's doing is is literally unique because no one else has won an Olympic medal at a gold medal and then become a two-division champion. It's never happened before. At the same time, when you just ask about, like, Lomachenko, two gold medals, 300 amateur wins, people are like, oh, boxing's more limited. Do you know how much more refined yeah. Lomachenko's striking skills are than anyone in the UFC? It's not even yeah. close. They're not even in the same universe. That's why all the UFC champs want to train with that guy. It's like, what are you talking about? The like, they'd be like, well, it's more limited. Yes, and therefore less refined. Yeah, exactly. All right, well, let's talk about Tony Ferguson. And it feels like he's getting a lot more support nowadays than than uh, in his previous Not bouts. from Dana. Fan support. Hey, it's Darren calling from Toronto. Uh, hey, Luke and Danny, I just wanted to talk about Tony Ferguson for a bit. Aboot. I've been watching him for a while and observed that since the Pettis fight and the whole mental health story came out, he seems to have a lot. He seems to have gained a lot of more fans and fan support. Uh, even when you read his social media or video comments, uh, they're almost all positive and rally for him to get the next title shot. Uh, everyone seems to love him now and he seems to have a ton of more fans. Have you guys noticed this as well or is it just me? Uh, and that being said, how much value do you think that actually adds to him getting the next title shot? And if you had to take a guess, do you think Tony fights for the belt in 2019? Okay, thanks a lot, guys. I, I think definitely not in 2019, but maybe in 2020. Yeah, they're not going to give him the next fight. I mean, they're setting it all up to not give him the yeah. next fight. But say like negotiations go wrong with with Conor, then, I think then, then he would get Tony's it. It's, it's the, the guy. It's, yeah, it's the same situation as a uh, DC Brock and Stipe. To the extent Brock walks, sure they'll do a they'll do a rematch. Right. Like it. Yeah. It's the same thing in this one. To the extent that Connor can't get a deal done, sure Tony's in great. If they get a deal done with Connor, forget it. Especially yeah. by the way, now if Poirier wins, I don't know exactly how that changes it because obviously Connor beat Poirier before, so they could just do a rematch there. I I, I don't I, that that's a bit of a weird scenario. It is. Yeah. Because also Habib, still the bigger fight is with Habib, and also Habib might want an immediate rematch because by the way he was undefeated. You're the first person to beat him. That's right. So that could throw There's a, a wrench. lot of things up in the right. Air. Yeah. So that could throw a wrench in the place. But if Habib wins and they get a deal done with Connor, Tony's going to get railroaded. And you, they're already setting it up. Which yeah. by the way, like women. So I saw this on like MMA History Today. Women didn't even fight in the UFC the last time he lost. I mean. <laughs> What? <laughs> I can't believe this guy. That, has that the, was what, 2009, I think? No, 2012. 12, yeah. But he, uh, he'd been fighting since before. I had just graduated high school. Yeah, I mean, I mean, what are we my doing? my first year of college. What are we doing, dude? What yeah, are we doing? It's, it's crazy. It's insane. But, like, have you noticed that like, a lot of people are supporting Tony Ferguson a lot more? I feel like early on, yes. he caught a lot, a lot of hate. Uh, and he was, in a way, kind of feels like he was in that Sahuda situation where, like, he was a bit cringy and fans were just hating on him. Yeah. But like, you know, they just came around and I feel like he's getting all the support in the world. Here's the deal. You talked about Here's it. the deal with cringe. And this, I got bad news for people who don't like Colby Covington. If he beats Kamaru Usman, he's still going to have a degree of haters because that's the, he, he 
provokes more. Yeah. But if you you can be cringe all you want. If you're cringe and winning, it automatically over time just becomes charming. It's just the reality of it. People were like, they couldn't stand Tony Ferguson before. You think Covington will become charming? Uh, I think he'll become more charming than he, I think he'll become much more, if he goes out there and puts it on Kamar Usman, you watch how fan sentiment turns. Don't misunderstand me. Not the same as yeah. Tony. Far from it. Yeah, I think his his type of cringe is a little different. It is a little different. I acknowledge yeah. it's different. But what I'm saying is, if you think that the dynamic of the fans that it is now with Colby is going to be the same if he beats Kamaru, I think you'll be surprised. Yeah. At Brendan Chop style, you'd be surprised. We'll see. I was talking about Cejudo and possibly going up to hey, 145. Letter from Maui, New Jersey. Um, hopefully, you finally answer my question. It's been a while. Um, He's got so bitter. It's your that. chance. So um, entitled. No, nah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but honest, you know, Henry Soto talked about moving up the weight class uh, to fight at featherweight. What do you think he could possibly win another title at featherweight? Um, I know Styles make matchups, but it seems like if he could get in there and do dirty boxing with his wrestling, I think there's a chance that he could become a three times a three-division champion. What's your thoughts on that, and do you think it's impossible for him to win that? Thank well, here's the thing. Like Justin Bieber said, never say never. Never? But Is that a song? I think that's what he said. I'm pretty sure. Maybe. Anyways, but I don't know. Cejudo, look, there was a clear difference between Moraes and, and Cejudo. Not huge, but Moraes, I don't think he's a, a, a huge bantamweight. Man, 145 is just, I think it's too much to ask. So remember what I just went over there in the uh, Monday Morning Analyst. At distance, what was happening, right? Marlon was tearing him up because at that style of play, he's so much more gifted. Marlon has a reach of 67. All right, so let's play that game, 67 inches. So let's play that game with Max Holloway, for example. By the way, there are other featherweights he could fight. I mean, who knows um, who would be up there at the time. But let's just say they said, you know what? Let's see if we can get a triple champ on our hands, which, by the way, is eventually going to happen. Now, Holloway is only at 69 inches, which is just a couple more, but he's also a lot taller. So having to punch up. Max is also one of these weird fighters where he's very tall, but his reach is actually not that not that long. Right, but he, but he uses it really well. Yeah, he does. He gets every inch out of it. And the point being is he's also tall. He's really good at playing that outside game and then forcing people not only back, but he, he uh, stops the clinch pretty well. To me... When you have stellar takedown defense, you're not only good at the outside, but you're good at maintaining the outside. Marlon's problem was he couldn't maintain the outside space. He kept mm-hmm. getting he kept getting overrun. The waves kept crashing past yeah. the barrier. They don't really that doesn't really happen with Max. So um, let's see how we. By the way, let him fight other bantamweights to see how this goes. Some other bantamweights going to beat him eventually. I think probably that's how history has typically worked. Maybe another flyweight does. You never yeah. know. But the I'm not saying no to the featherweight thing. I'm just saying plenty of reasons to think he's going to have some problems there. I think I think some matchups could event, benefit him at featherweight, but again, with small featherweights, but if you like just start reading like the top five of the featherweight division, like Alexander Volkanovsky, that guy's big. Uh, Brown Ortega's pretty big. Jose Aldo's big. Like, I feel like, I don't know. I, I just don't see him. I just don't see him doing well at 145. And, and not because he's not skilled. It's just the size difference is going to be way yeah, too Yeah, but much. eventually weight classes matter. Yeah. They're in for a reason, right? Yeah. They're in place for a reason. Yeah. All right. Well, let's discuss now what's next for Valentina. Oof. That, that win was... Christ, bro. What's hey, it's Rich P. Representing Las Vegas, Nevada. We just watched Valentina murder Jessica I in there. My only question is what's next for her? Does the UFC get behind her like full guns blazing, promotion, everything. And uh, who's her next opponent? Who wants to step in there? For real. Thank who you. wants to step in there, dude? 
Kayla Shukagian says she wants that smoke. Um, I mean, I'm sure fighters do, of course. But, well, man, that was scary. That was a super scary performance. Yeah, that was really scary. Yeah. That was... Um, and it was really bad. That was really bad. I made this point again on my personal uh, post-fight special, which was, um, you know, what do you do when your top contenders, like the most deserving person in a division, is so far behind the champ that it ends up being a mismatch? What? How do you how do you book around that? People are like, oh, they did that for DJ for years, sort of. The Carriasso fight and the Borg fight were the only two fights that he had in terms of mm -hmm. an odds that approximated this one. Um, but even then, like. Could she honestly have a series of defenses, let's say four more, where she's a minus 1,000 favorite in all of them? It's honestly possible. And that would be unheard of in the UFC. Yeah. That would be totally unheard yeah. of. We might get something like that with her. Uh, yeah. She is. Have you ever seen her in person? Have I met her in person? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't know how fighters imagine. I don't know how people who've never met fighters, how they imagine how they look. Yeah. I once time had Kayla Harrison in the studio on my radio show. Dude, Kayla Harrison is jacked. Okay, she's super jacked. Yeah. There's like, okay, so I asked you this before. You've seen Yoel Romero in person, right? Yeah. Dude, when Yoel walks around, he doesn't look like a normal person. No. He <laughs> looks like a, he looks like he was written by a comic book yeah. uh, artist. That's how Shevchenko looks. She looks, she's not like a bodybuilder huge, but mm -hmm. what muscle she has, like nothing jiggles. She just, she's just super Yeah, she looks very, very dense. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and dense. And, um, and when you add that with someone who's been doing this for as long as she has, and she has skills as refined as she does, I, I went back and I showed you the timing on the kick. Yeah, she's so technical. It's just dude, these, so these other women—they're not even—they're not even. She here's yeah. how she's going to lose. She has to be sick, injured, or make a very serious mistake. Yeah. Other than that, she ain't losing. Or, or who knows? Maybe like in the next two, three years, uh, some contender rises up, or some you know somebody from another promotion comes in, and you know maybe Mac Macy Barber is interesting. Macy Barber is interesting. Well, look, mm. am I saying she's ready now? No, 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 no. In a couple of years? Let's see. Let's see how she looks in a couple of years. Yeah. But, like, that's the time horizon that we're talking about here. Yeah. I also think, uh, you know, in discussing what's next, I think, you know, if they ever run back Nunes versus Shevchenko, I think, you know, there's a possibility Valentina can definitely lose there. I mean, she's lost twice, technically, to uh, Nunes. Yeah. Um, but I think at 125... Good luck. Good luck stopping her. I don't know. I don't know who it's going to be. And by the way, I, again, I'll say it again. I thought she beat Nunes the second time. The second time. Yeah. I I, I remember it being close, Very but close. I but I don't. I, I feel like I scored it for Nunes. Yeah, I might have scored it for Nunes, reasonable. but it was super close fight. Reasonable people can disagree. Doesn't it make it more interesting now with this uh, with these results? Yeah. Let's see what happens with a home. But I mean, we could potentially have another like super fight in the making if uh, you know the stars align. Yep. All right. Now let's discuss. Um, I guess, you know, looking back now, people were a little bit upset that, you know, Ferguson, Cerrone wasn't headlining this car. So let's discuss that, you know, looking back. Hi, my name's Hayden. I'm calling from uh, Phoenix, Arizona. I called earlier for my question, but now I remembered. <laughs> I'm rewatching the uh, the Tony Cowboy like, oh. fight, and honestly, it's the biggest disappointment I think I've ever seen and really the UFC. We have three rounds that got robbed by a doctor where it was uh, beautiful. Robbed by a doctor. And then we watched two fights that I would believe did not deserve to be over this fight. What is your opinion on star power compared to title fights? Because obviously on this card, title fights are more important than star power. And I think Connor never fights again because of that. Let me know. Thank you. 
Can we just address the robbed by the doctor claim here very quickly? Bro, come on. They should have let him fight. Like he, like he had one eye. Like, what is, like, the the, the caller's like, hey, uh, is this the Luke Thomas and Danny Segura show? Hey, man, these doctors got some nerve upholding the Hippocratic Oath. Like, who thinks that way? I don't even understand. Like, what do you want to do? Do you want them to look at that eye and be like, nah, they're good? Yeah. The first, do no harm, dingleberries. Like, how is this? A th okay. All right. Neither here nor there. Yeah. Um, here's the thing. I have come around on this one, Danny. Would mm -hmm. you have been opposed if they had put Tony versus Ferg, sorry, Tony versus Cerrone yeah. at the top of that card? Yes or no? Yes, I would. Okay, tell me why. I like the title fights on top, man. Okay. I feel like the title fights, you know, they, they've been devalued over time, but I think we, we need to pay respect for the for the people that made it to the top, right? Uh, for the people that are fighting for gold. And look, Tony Ferguson, you can make an argument that Tony Ferguson and Donald Cerrone are deserving for, for, for a title shot, and they should have been fighting for a title a while back. But nonetheless, it's not an official title fight, and I feel like that should always go over no matter how big the fight is. I think you can maybe make some exceptions, say Ronda and Connor, say if Ronda ever comes back. But mm -hmm. other than that, title should go first. And and that's why I'm all for um, Bellator putting Rory McDonald and Neiman Gracie over mm -hmm. Machida and Sonny. Mm -hmm. You feel the same way? Uh, I don't. Um, well, here's what I mean. I don't disagree with anything you said. Like, yeah. if they want to make titles at the top of cards, that's fine. Here's the thing that MMA fans and journalists too, by the way, because they make this mistake as often as everybody else does, if not worse. You have UFC leadership under sworn deposition saying, Guys, the titles don't mean anything. It's just a trophy we hand out to the best fighter yeah. at the end of the night. Well, who said that? Because I feel Lawrence like you, Epstein. You're... Lawrence Epstein said it, uh, who is a key figure in that organization. He said it quite plainly. I, mean, I believe Lorenzo Fertitta may have repeated it as well. Uh, it is a core conviction of theirs. When, when, when push came to shove, what the organization maintains is that it doesn't mean anything other than it's something we give to the best fighter that night. Well, if that's the case, then why am I asked to hold it in reverence? And if that's the case, sure, put Tony versus Cerrone at the top of the card. In other words, I like what you said, Danny. There's something to be said for really accomplished people getting featured in really prominent spots, and I think that's fine. Yeah. But I don't know why we're asked to believe something that's a fiction. It is a fiction that it means, according to UFC Brass, we can, you and I can put value yeah. on top of it. But at the end of the day, it's not the Danny Segura title, and it ain't the Luke Thomas title, it ain't the MMA Hour title. It's the UFC title. The only value is what they put on it. Under sworn testimony, it has none. So if that's the case, why am I asked to care? And uh, by the way, why shouldn't Tony be at the top of that card? Hello? He was far and away the biggest star on that card, not even a close second. Well, I guess Cerrone was the close second. That's it. Right. Uh, still, I don't know. Called me old school, but... I think titles should go last. Also, like, yeah, it, it would just feel weird to have, like, you know, some, some ch like, crowning a champion, yet, you know, then you put on a regular fight just right after. Like, it just feels anticlimactic. I don't know. Uh, what's the word on Mr. Caldwell? We got an issue? Uh, I texted... Um, the people on the, uh, involved in yes, the show? and uh, we're still looking into it. Okay. <laughs> He's not here? No, he <laughs> hasn't gone back to me. Um, oh, sweet. So let's answer another question. That's awesome. Let's talk about another fighter that was. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Sorry. It's just, uh, you good? yeah, it's just my life. My life is, is just a fair ago of nonsense. Go ahead. All right. Let's talk about another fighter who, who did quite well. And I feel like, you know, she's being forgotten about here with all these uh, crazy finishes that we saw.
Hey guys, it's Joshy Fresh from San Diego again. I just got done watching the Carolina versus Grasso fight, and oh my goodness, did you expect Grasso to come out looking the way she did? She basically outclassed Carolina, which I don't remember another fighter doing in recent times. Do we have a future star on our hands? Keep up the great work, guys. Peace. With Carolina? Uh, what do you Grasso? think of Grasso's performance? Man, yeah. You know, here's the thing. If anyone's ever trained, you'll spend uh, quite literally, it's possible. To, I've seen guys who are like, I trained for six months. I got blue belt. I trained for another two years. I got purple. And then I was purple for five years. There can be moments in your career where you just progress like this. And then you just plateau. And I felt like Grasso had kind of plateaued for a little while. Except in this last fight, she whatever stasis she was in, she had clearly zoomed past, made tons of progress. Conversely, Karolina Kovalkiewicz appears to have entered some kind of situation where she is now in a, what do you want to say, a battle for, um, uh, she, she's stuck. She's stuck in the mud. So it's these moments where you can progress, 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 and these moments where you can just train hard and you just can't get better, and then all of a sudden, it clicks. Yeah. I think that's what happened here. Also, you know, I feel like Grasso was given some tough matchups, especially like the Tatiana Suarez one was was, was a really tough matchup yep. with with Carolina Kolokevich. She really got an opportunity to like showcase her skill because it was someone that is very tough, very skilled, and very experienced as well. But her skill set played well into hers, so um, it really brought up the the best out of her, and, and that was you know it was nice to watch. Now let me ask you a question: Do you need to make a phone call to find Mister Caldwell? Yeah, do you want me to leave you with? Yeah, leave with me a with call? leave me with a call, and All then right. the camera will go on me, and then you figure this out because right. I would yeah, yeah. I would like to talk to Darian. Yeah, it'd be nice if he was here. Yeah, we we are waiting for him. All right, let's talk about Mister Chris Weidman. Uh, really? Okay. Yeah. You, you uh, well, I did the not. Call, the caller will take care of. I did not pay attention to what he had to say. Okay, go ahead. Yo, yo, Luke, Danny, Nino from Washington Township, New Jersey. How you doing? I got a question here for cool. you. So recently, Chris Weidman has come out and said that he would like to move up to 205 pounds. Good. I just want to know who you think would be a good matchup for his first uh, roundabout at 205. Whew. Obviously, a lot of middleweights have been moving up, like uh, Anthony Smith, Tiago Santos. They're having, they're having success. Uh, Luke Rockhold just moved up also. I just want to know, if you think Chris Wyman's going to have a lot of success at 205, and who do you think he's going to he's gonna get for his first matchup, or who, or who would make sense for his first matchup? Thank you, guys. Love your show. Have a good day. Uh, good question. I did not know he had said that, so that's interesting. I would say, um, what about Shogun? What about Shogun for his first match? You'd be like, oh, my God, Shogun should be done. Okay, well, if he's not going to be done... Then how about that? I, by the way, I got to say this. I love the idea of Chris Weidman going up to 205 pounds. I think it's long overdue. Chris Weidman has a ton of ability. Um, he has a ton left to, to offer the game. And with people getting a little bit older, putting less stress on their body to make a certain weight, which allows for extra time for skill development, it's just so important. And so you've seen what Anthony Smith has been able to do. You can say, oh, well, he fought in a lesser division when he went up. Right. Except he also clearly got better, too, because he had time in each camp to invest. He had time in each camp um, to just work on skills rather than, oh, we got to go do uh, some high-intensity interval training. Uh 
we have to go do road work. We have to go do X. We have to go do Y. We have to go do Z. Instead, we can just invest in the skills. And so I think that would be a huge, huge component. Plus, you could do a Luke Rockhold rematch up there. I don't know about for their first fight. Um, but like, here's the top, here's outside the top 10, because I wouldn't give him somebody in the top 10. You got Alexander Rakic at 11. Rakic, I would preserve for somebody else moving up the chain. Maybe they could fight at a later date, but uh, Johnny Walker at 12, same kind of thing. 13 is Shogun, 14 Sirkinov, or 15 Krilov. Any of those, I think, would be good. All right, I'm told we actually now have Mr. Caldwell uh, here. Let's bring him on in. He fights this weekend. Maybe the best fight of the weekend. He takes on Kyoji Horiguchi in the long-awaited rematch. There he is. There he is, Mr. Wolfpack himself. How are you, sir? Luke, how you doing, baby? Good. Nice to meet you. Have a seat, my friend. Yes, sir. I thought we were going to lose you there for a little while. Not at all. I'm here, baby. How are you? I'm good, man. Yeah? Yes. How you been? You've been to New York City before, yeah? Absolutely. I'm a Jersey boy. Oh, that's right. Yes. How, how could I possibly forget? How could we forget? So you're going to have a ton of fam there? Absolutely. Yeah? You like it that way? Yeah, man. I love uh, I love the support. You know, the more support, the better. Uh, when you wrestled, did you have a ton of fam come? Absolutely. By the way, I've always been to what, uh, ask you this. How did you end up at NC State of all places? Now, I know they had like uh, Gwizdowski. They've got a decent program there, but like... You were like the top dog. I don't mean to demean NC State. It's a fine program. Well, but you had you could have gone anywhere. Is I guess what I'm saying. For sure, I, I definitely could have gone anywhere. Before I went to NC State, it wasn't really a, a traditional uh, wrestling school in you know, a program. I, I feel like uh, when I beat Metcalf and I, I brought some some spotlight into the organization is when uh, you know you see the G Wizzes and you see the uh, uh, Kevin Jackson. Mm. You see all the other other uh, studs come up across the. Uh, you know that platform, but I f really feel like I, I catapulted the uh, the Wolfpack Wrestling Club in 2009 when I won uh, the NCAA championship. Before then, it wasn't an All American since like 1992. So, um, big reason that why I went there was we had uh, Tony Davis there. Uh, he was a national champ at uh, uh, Northern Iowa, and, mm. and so uh, he was real vocal and really just hands on hands on in my college career. And so I just really took a liking to his style and. Uh, it fit me well. Have you do you go back at all? Uh, I've been back. I, I actually went back uh, September last September. We had a golf out, and they brought a, brought a, a bunch of alumni there. Are you a big golfer? Not at all. Yeah, but I, I did. Yeah, <laughs> nah, not at all. I went there for the shits and giggles. Yeah, did you go see the college kids? They Absolutely. look so young. How old are you now? Thirty one. Thirty one. They must look super young to you. Yeah, and they're big and they're strong too. I'm yeah. like, yeah, I got in the wrestling room. I'm like, man, they're a different beasts over there. Yeah, they're all like Zion Williamson. They're yeah, all, they're all enormous. <laughs> They brought me on the football field. I'm like, man, I don't remember the football players being this big. Maybe it was just I had, like, you see that picture of the cat looking at himself in the mirror, and and you and you see a line on, a line on the other side. Maybe I was just like in that in that mode that whole college, my whole college career. Let me ask you this: I think I read this. So part of your wrestling ambitions after college got derailed by shoulder injuries. Yes. Now, what what happened to your shoulders? Uh, well, it was a freak accident. Honestly, uh, it was rollerblading, doing some some crazy. Um, That's a very 90, yeah, right? like, late, late 90s thing like, to do. Real talk. Like, I grew up like skateboard, like trying to skateboard, like, you know, uh, just like, I like wheels. I like, I like uh, things that, that uh, are a, a little um, edgy, you know? Mm. And so um, one night I just happened to like see some kids walking past and uh, they had on, they had rollerblades in their hands. I'm like, oh, what size are they? And uh, they they fit me, and I think it was just like perfect. It was it was just a perfect night for me to get injured. Um, I wound up taking a fall, uh, bust my shoulder up, tried to come back a little early, 
busted up again wrestling uh, Angel Cejudo at the Olympic Training Center. Yeah, yeah, uh, he he's a he got really strong hips, you know. No um, relation to Henry, I don't believe. No, that's his brother. Is it really? Yeah. So he was at the Olympic Training Center training um, a little bit, and then uh, like I came back like six, seven months after my uh, my initial surgery. Um, uh, now, what, what kind of surgery did you get? It was uh, just a regular orthoscopic surgery. Was it like labrum? Or? Uh, labrum, yeah. Okay. Yeah, labrum. I had the labrum one as yeah. well, which is why I ask. You know, and, and with those, you, you got to take your time. Bro. You know? And it's especially wrestling, like uh, the positions you put yourself in wrestling and just real compromising with the shoulders. And, and so when I came back, I, I think I, I rushed the, the, the rehab process and I went out to the Olympic Training Center, uh, try to, because uh, I, I was doing really well, you know, before that injury, you know, and I feel like I, I was at the pinnacle of the sport, and I just wanted to get back on top, and so uh, wound up busting up my shoulder again, had to get another surgery, and, and so my whole, I, I retreated that year before that, or after that first surgery, uh, came back and then uh, busted up again, and it was inevitable, inevitable, I needed another surgery. I didn't get it in my, in my retreat senior year, I just kind of wrestled the whole year, uh, it kept coming in and out, and uh, after after nationals, uh, I didn't do well at nationals. I went like one and two, and then uh, or one, and then I bust my shoulder up in in my second match, and I just forfeited out the tournament. You mm. know? Now, how come it doesn't bother you in MMA, or maybe it does? Uh, well, no, nah, it, it's been so long. You know, a lot of rehab, a lot of recovery. It's been about eight years since my my shoulder's been uh, been you know. Uh, messed up, so no, no subsequent nah, issues. Nah, no problems. Oh, okay. Even when they, someone's doing kimuras or anything like that, no problems. Oh man, mine that never feels the same. Actually, never. like I got a, I, I got. Is a, it on your dominant hand or? Yeah, my my dominant hand. So I got a bionic bionic shoulder. Shoulder, you know, it's it's like I I I, I invite you to come try my shoulder. <laughs> Do you have the same range of motion? Absolutely. See, I don't. They purposely when they restitch mine. They purposely limited range. Like I can show you. So like I'm left-handed. Yeah. This is the one I had repaired. So I can take this. I can go this far out. This is my left hand. Yeah. They purposely stitched it yeah. so that I couldn't. Yeah. Because mine was falling out of my socket in my sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I would be sleeping and just sink in. Right. Yeah. Oh, whoa. What's going on? Hurt like yeah. So bad. For sure. So what they did with mine was they took it and they kind of made it so tight rather than just taking it and like, uh, cut like uh, stitching it up here inside. Yeah. They overlapped it and, and it took a while for me to get that range of motion back, you know, but when I got it back, you know, it, it, was, it just was regular normal. How excited are you for this rematch? I got to tell you, excited. I'm super pumped. Yeah, I'm this might be the best fight on paper this weekend. There's some good fights. Don't get me wrong. There's some good fights. This I think is, this is the one. This is the only one that matters, honestly. This is the only fight for a real belt. This is the only fight. That, I mean, you got two of the best, two of the very best uh, 35 pounders in the world and uh, to me, this is, and I'm sure to a lot of people, this is the only f fight that matters. All right, so let's talk about the first one. So you go over to Japan. How was the, how was the trip to Japan, by the way? So many people complain about the jet lag. Did the jet lag affect you at all? Uh, I think anything that could have went wrong uh, in Japan, it did. Really? But, yeah, I mean... It, but, you were, but you were winning right yeah. up until you weren't, sort of. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, I think it was a loss of focus, you know. Um, but uh, mental lapse, you know, and... Uh, I, I learned from that, you know, I learned, learned from there. All right, let's back up a step. You yeah. said anything that could go wrong in Japan did. So let's go through things. What went wrong? Well, uh, usually, you know, let's take yesterday, for instance. I, I, I get here in New York, you know, five days out from the fight, um, when right where I want to be. I'm 145 right now, you know. You, well, usually that's where I'm at, you know, when I come in for fight week. Mm -hmm. I got to Japan, I was like 154, 155. You mm. know? So already I'm like fighting, you know, my weight and then, uh, just like the hydration process, like figuring out foods and, you know, figuring out, like we were doing like 
and like we were like touring the city, like you know where I'm like I'm not used to being a tourist, you know, and so you know I, I really just feel like that maybe like just overwhelmed me, you know. So and, and people always talk about like yeah, you, you know. How's the Japanese crowd? I love the Japanese crowd. They're super quiet, but you know what they don't really know is it was actually a party before the fight. You know, we're, I, like we're, when I usually get to to the arena, it's about two or three hours before you know, and I'm fighting. You know, I was I was at the arena for like eight nine hours just sitting around. You know, and anytime Jeez. I try to go to sleep, you know, get some rest, somebody's waking me up. You know, so you know I was like toward that third round, I just wasn't as focused as I could have been. Um, so I feel like anything that could have went wrong, it just it just wasn't my night. Um, I learned from that and I move forward. And June 14, I'm gonna take this guy out. All right, so let's talk about some of the other things. Uh, we saw what Sage Northcutt. Now he was a striker, fought another striker, but it was in a ring, which has completely different spatial dynamics. One, it's everything's a right angle, so it's sharp corners, and two, the ropes are a little bit different. So how much of the right angles and the ropes were an issue when you fought? Horiguchi the first time. Well, I just feel like uh, you know, just the whole stop in the fight in the middle of a fight, you know, when I got to reset yeah, position. reset position. I think that threw me off, you know, uh, maybe put him in better position, but you know, it, I they did put me back in the position and I lost it, you know. So it, it was it wasn't anything that the uh, I, I could have finished the fight and I should have finished the fight. So it was, it was my fault, you know. But um, definitely the ring played a factor. You know, I was exerting energy in, in places where I shouldn't have. Where you know, if it was in, in a cage, you know, I, 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 it's, it's, it's not foreign. It's, it's, it's not new. It's, it, I know where I exert energy, where I, where I can position myself. And, like when to advance on a position, absolutely. when to hold it. Absolutely, right. You know, slipping through that. We were slipping through the cage. It was, it was chaos. You know. Yeah, that's a weird one. But you still, you were doing pretty good. So. You got uh, submitted in the third round, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. First two rounds were all yours, though. Yeah, no, nah, he he had some success on his feet. You know, uh, he, he he caught me off balance a few times. You know, um, again, lack of focus, probably. You know, but uh, yeah, I think uh, that third round, if you watch that fight, you know, I, I literally put him in position to submit me. I literally took him down. You know, rather than posturing up. I, I took my head, put it on his, like here, I took his leg, put it here, you know, and pretty much. He just took what was there. Yeah, he just, I gave it to him, you know, and so uh, I'm not going to give him anything. He, he's not going to have any room to breathe. All right, so did you, have you gone back and watched the fight? Uh, yeah, I went back and watched the fight. Do you normally do that? Uh, I get a variety of answers when I talk to fighters about that. Uh, well, it just depends, you know. This one, I, I needed to know, like, where I went wrong, you know, uh, what happened, you know, because I knew it wasn't the ability, I knew it wasn't, like, the actual fight, I I, th I knew it was a mental lapse, and I wanted to know where it was that uh, I was, I took myself out of the game. Did you recognize yourself? You know what I mean? Like sometimes I'll watch, I'll talk to fighters, they'll watch tape, and they'll say, "I don't even see my like that's just another person." And they're like, "What, what did what did you see?" Well, I think that 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 could be for all fights. You know, when when you under the, the big lights and, and you're fighting, you know, a, a different you is definitely in there, but. Uh, no, I, I don't feel like I was I was ex executing the way I, I, I wanted to. Um, I had a game plan, but you know, once I stepped in the cage, I I forgot about the game plan and I wasn't able to execute what I wanted. You know, and uh, it was definitely a difference, but um, you know, it happens. You know, so uh, that's why it's so many variables in a sport. You know, we learn and we grow. You know. Did you fly coach? Did I what? Did you fly coach? Fly coach. Like on the on the plane? Yeah, the plane? I, they had me in the middle seat. 
They had me what? In, they had me in the middle seat. I was the check. champ in the middle seat, they man. They had me in the middle seat, bro. bro how long is that flight? Ten hours or something crazy. From California. Yeah, from California. Still, that's still pretty long. Yeah, no, nah, it, it was it was a grueling fi- uh, flight. You know, it was overwhelming and. Um, but the, the the funny thing is, I'll do it all over again. What do you mean? Uh, I want to go back to Japan and, and you know. Oh, would you want a new experience? You we, we can do it all over again the same way. Yeah. Um, but the results are going to change. You know, the preparation is going to change, and uh, I know. Well, I have I had little to uh, no experience in in a ring. You know, practicing like leading up to that fight. I'd, maybe jumped in the ring maybe one or two times, you know, and, and that was for pad work. It wasn't wrestling. It wasn't like, you know, just familiar, familiarizing myself with positions I know inside the ring. You know, it was a lot of stand-up, you know, thinking I was a boxer. Mayweather was on the car, you know, I'm thinking like, man, I'm gonna try to stand up with this guy. And you see a, a lot of stand-up, but it just wasn't uh, an executed game plan, a well-executed game plan on my part. Did you get a chance to meet Mayweather? Uh, I seen him. Yeah. You know, I, 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 my, I want to fight him, you know? So um, I was in there, like, talking shit, like, you know, this guy's next, like, you know, because uh, you put those big gloves on, it's it, like, uh, it's not like MMA gloves, you know? Uh, it certainly you know? isn't. You, you, like, yeah, you, you, your heart gets bigger once uh, those bigger gloves. With them small gloves, you know, and I can when I can grab people, it just makes everything easier, so. Now, why didn't you train in the, uh, easier, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty. but why not train in the ring? Because, you know, did you just think it wouldn't be that different? Well, um, I don't know why I didn't. I, I, w- I would like to, but... Um, you had access to a ring, right? Yes. Right. Yeah, we got a ring in our in our gym, but uh, for one reason or another, we, we didn't we didn't go in there, you know? Hmm, so. That's interesting. Now, this time around, you don't have to worry about any of that. Back nah. into the cage. Yes. How do you think he's going to fare? Because here's the thing. He has experience in the cage as well. This is a well-credentialed opponent, but nevertheless, this is your uh, home. Let's put, put it that way. Plus... Has he ever fought in a circular cage? Because the circular cage is different than the flat paneled cage as well. I think he hasn't. Yeah, he's familiar with the cage. He's had success in the cage. You know, he he worked his way up to a, a world title uh, against Demetrius Johnson. You know, but uh, I just don't feel like he's going to be as comfortable as I'm going to be um, with with the surroundings. Um, I feel like the cage is going to work to my benefit. Do you feel like you have something to prove? Uh, just to myself, you know, because I know there's not a 135 pounder in the world that I can't beat, you know, and he's he's that guy, you know, he beat me and it's my it's my turn. By the way, do you still rollerblade to this day? Never. Yeah. <laughs> just that one time? Never. I don't No skateboards. Nothing like that. Just nope. no 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 rollerblades, no skates, no You surf, no maybe. Wheels. Nah, I'm I don't maybe mess with I don't mess with the sharks. Like I don't mess with the water. No, nothing. Yeah, I'll I'll go to the beach, but I ain't jumping in that water. Like that's not all me. the jujitsu guys do that. Yeah, they, they well they, all the Brazilians in here, they all surf. It's yeah, weird. They, they, they they that's what that's where they come from. They come from, you know, Brazil where yeah. you know the sharks are on the shore, so yeah. <laughs> like to be being a water in San Diego is they're cool with that. All right, fair enough. Uh, so let's talk about some of the fight pieces themselves. When you were locking up with him, even though everything had gone wrong, how did he feel physically? Oh, he's strong. Yeah, you know? he he's definitely stronger. One of the stronger guys I've ever fought. You know, um, he really. He, yeah, he he is though. He's he, like, and then the thing about uh, coming up from twenty five, you know, and we see it with Henry, and you know, we see it with. You know these guys going up in weight. You got all the all your strength. You know as got as opposed to guys that's cut weight. You know so uh, it definitely plays a factor where he has all his strength. And you know I still got my strength, but um, 
he's as strong as he's gonna be at 135, you know, as opposed to 125. You know, his mental game was uh, was surprising. I wasn't I wasn't uh, used to that. You know, I'm used to you know uh, second or third round breaking guys. You know, and right. and looking across the cage and and I see them them worn out. You know, and so for uh, for him, uh, it wasn't the same. So uh, for me, uh, going into this 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 fight, it's not about breaking him mentally. I'm I'm gonna break his body. And I'm gonna shut his body off. Um, do you lift weights more now or when you were wrestling? Uh, I, when I was wrestling, for sure. What's the diff? Why? Um, I think that college, uh, just like the whole college um, mentality. Yeah, yeah, you know, they 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 eat weights up in college. And now you don't really need it. Uh, I just focus on like staying lean. You know, explosive. You still feel like you're strong? Oh yeah, I'm as strong as it. Like when you were lock up with the other 135. Well, I actually uh, brought it. We brought in uh, some Arizona. Uh, Wrestlers, and I was wrestling with a kid. Uh, he's 19. He's uh, he, and when I grabbed him, he had a different strength than anybody I was going with inside the, the 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 MMA gym. And I was like, man, like these wrestlers are really freaking strong. Like <laughs> it was a difference for sure. Yeah, but still, you competitive. Like, Absolutely. You, yeah. It, no. it, you find ways around it. You know, um, right. speed kills. So. Um, it certainly does. Let, let's talk about the 135ers in the UFC because what's interesting about this fight is, um, number one, it's a rematch and it's interesting and and everything we've been talking about. But it's sort of like a world title to a degree, right? It's the best guy in Japan, Ryzen, more than Japan, but okay, that's where it's based, versus the best guy in Bellator. And then you saw what Henry did against Marlon. Did you expect Henry to do that? I expected it. Did you? I, I was caught by surprise. Tell me why you expected it. Well, he's just, he's a champion, you know? Uh, he's won on every level uh, of of his combative career. You know, is his. I mean, it, it, same as me. You know, it's it's not like uh, guys are coming from uh, out of nowhere. You know, um, and uh, just t winning world championships. You know, you like I'm sure guys like Adesanya, guys like Kamaru Usman. These guys have been doing this. You know, from you know, grade school, and that's what Henry's been doing. He's been winning since grade school, and it's not going to change, you know. Um, but it's when you get guys that both guys have been winning since grade school, and you know, that's where you, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna. That's what you're seeing now. You're seeing, um, and I don't, I don't know Marlon's background, but I know Henry's a champion. I know he, uh, he's he's won on every level. Um, so I kind of knew he after beating Dillashaw, like. Uh, I, I thought Dillashaw was the best guy in the division outside of D Dominic Cruz, mm. um, and uh, Henry, he smoked him. Yeah, he mm. just ran over him. So I kind of uh, thought, figured that. But um, I, I've always qu questioned Henry's mental toughness, um, and if he can um, tell folks why, because uh, I made the point here when he didn't make the 2012 uh, national team. You know, coming off the gold medal, you thought this guy was a lock to make the team. I don't think he made it past the semis, if not the quarters, but. Um, and then he, you know, he just kind of fell off. He retired. He had the whole falling out with Terry Brands. Yeah. There was a lot of people being like, I don't know if this guy's going to work. And he missed weight twice in Legacy, you know. Yeah. But he eventually caught up. But why, why were you questioning? Well, that's that. Those are all those, those are, yeah, all of those things, you know. Um, and when when you're talking about quitting the sport, you know, you start start to, uh, you know, we we seen that with Rory McDonald, and, and you know, we seen his last performance. He won the fight, you know, but. That, that's not the best Rory McDonald we've seen, you know? And so whenever you start doubting yourself and you start doubting your abilities and if what you're in the sport for, you know, you, that that's all mental, you know? Mm. And so uh, for me, uh, just questioned his mental toughness and he, he was able to, you know, pull out, like, go be down in the first, this, this last fight and, and, and win. 
um, second round, I think. Third. Third round, yeah. you know, but that's a credit to, you know, um, just sticking with it and grinding, you know, and that's what wrestling, that's what wrestling, um, it brings out of you, you know, it, it gives you that never say die attitude and uh, it instills those values. And Daniel Cormier told me something once about wrestlers. It's not just that, like, I thought your earlier point was quite astute, which is like, oh, you got to get the guys who've been winning since the very beginning. He made a point. He goes, what's like, what sets Ronda apart from these women? She's a better athlete, probably. But like, is that really what sets her apart? What sets her apart is that at she's been a lifelong athlete. From day one, when she was five, she was competing at whatever the highest level for five-year-olds is. And then seven, nine, 11, 15, whatever, blah, blah. And at every in interval, she's been the highest level. And she's been doing it since you had any athletic skill at all. That's what Henry's been doing. That's what you've been doing. That, to me, is the difference. Marlon looks the part. Like, he is chiseled out of stone. And maybe he's been one. I don't know. I, I can't. I can't say with any degree of certainty. But that to me is the difference, right? That's yes. why Cormier succeeds. You succeed. Absolutely. That's the difference there. Absolutely. I've, I, it's very rarely are you going to see a guy uh, in high school start their career wrestling and be a state champ by their senior year. You know, start start as a freshman and senior year you you win you win in states. You know, very rarely you see that. You know, you, you especially in New Jersey. Especially in New Jersey. You know, and so it, it's countless hours because guys are are really programmed to to be a certain way and, and be a certain athlete and and um, years and years of, of experience of that, you know, is definitely going to be just an athletic, in-shape guy, you know. If you fought uh, Henry, what's the key to beating him? Uh, I just beat him. <laughs> Henry, <laughs> what does that mean? He ain't fucking with me, period. Well, what does that mean? It's just, it's just not the same. He's a little guy, you know. Uh, me you and, are big for a bantamweight, yeah, I have to say. He's a little guy. Like, he's he's like Horiguchi, you know. Um, uh, 2006, we were, we were on a Dapper Dan together, where it's uh, Team USA, which is the number one wrestlers in the country, which we were, uh, myself and Henry were, um, versus Team Pennsylvania, which is predominantly the best uh, wrestling state, you know, in the country. Uh, and I just, he was just so small, and I, I never looked at him as a threat, and I still don't look at Henry as a threat. He's just, uh, he's a he's a champion in a different division, or a different organization I, I'm at, and. Uh, once uh, the UFC and uh, which we probably know, we know it probably won't happen uh, so soon. But once the UFC uh, starts cross promoting and cross, you know, uh, agrees to fight their champs versus guy or champs like Bellator's champs and whatever other champs, then um, you're the guy. Oh, I'm the guy. I'm. Uh, I'm. I mean, it is what it is. Again, Henry's not a threat. Um, I would like the I would like that fight, you know, just because um, I know it'll be go my way, and and you, the UFC guys get more more pub, more everything, yeah. And so um, hey, you're here. I know, I know, <laughs> and and it's a pleasure to be here. Of course. Um, so for me, uh, Henry's not not a threat. I I get my hands on that guy. And all right, very good. Um, so for this week. Is there a plan in terms of what you want out of Saturday? Is it just a W? Or is there some kind of like Darian Caldwell stamp you're trying to put on this guy? You know I gotta I, mean? I gotta finish this guy. Yeah. If I don't finish this guy, I'm not happy. I'm never really happy with just a win. You know, to me, a win is is just a loss. Like, I gotta finish this guy. I'll only be happy if I finish him. It's pretty hard to finish though. Even Demetrius Johnson, granted it was a while ago and a different weight class, but But he's finishable, yeah. He is, yeah, but who isn't? 
truth. Who isn't? You nobody's, know I mean? sus- nobody's susceptible to, to losing. Is he getting, the best guy you fought? Um, Haraguchi? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, far and away, right? Yeah, yeah for sure. Because uh, the Time and Glow one, that was the, he caught you early in your career. This yeah. one is still, this is your more senior level at this point. Yeah, no, I'm definitely a vet in the sport, you know, and I think it's time that I start getting the credit that I deserve. I deserve you don't think you, know? you do? No, I don't. I think uh, people overlook me and uh, they overlook because I fight for Bellator, which isn't the UFC, because uh, whatever reason or not, you know, uh, I think I've always been overlooked, whether it's been wrestling, you know, where, where I go in there and beat, beat a Metcalf, pin a Metcalf, you know, uh, in 2000, 2008 and then 2009, I'm a big underdog. How, how does that happen? I just pinned the guy last year. You know, I, whatever it may be, like, it, I just don't get the credit I deserve, but I continue to win, so it doesn't really matter to me, you know? So is this fight with Horiguchi, is this best bantamweight on the planet in your mind? Absolutely. Yeah? You think Horiguchi's better than Henry Cejudo? Absolutely. Really? I do. Wow, that's bold. If you see Henry's style, he's he mimics, you know, Horiguchi. He's like, he probably went back to the drawing board, like, who gave Demetrius Johnson their biggest fight, their hardest fight? You know, and it, before, uh, Henry, before Henry beat uh, Demetrius, Horiguchi was the best fight that Demetrius had, you know, he, he, that's true. He, you know, and so I'm sure he, and Henry, before that, Henry didn't fight in that karate style, you know, so I'm sure he went back to the drawing board, used some of his, uh, some of his, his tactics, his techniques, and, you know, now you have a Henry Cejudo 2.0 who, who looks like a karate style wrestler. Karate style wrestlers, although he had to kind of box his way on this one. But, yeah, he, uh, yeah, for sure. But hey, let me ask you the neck tattoos. Yeah. How painful is that? Actually, they, they weren't painful. I know? have a hard time believing that. Nah. <laughs> the painful tattoos were these right here. Like, yeah, I've got some rib tattoos as well. Yeah, they those suck, were, Yeah, bro. those were painful. These didn't you know, hurt? Nah, they got this uh, numbing cream where you put it on for an hour, and you take it off, and you let it sit for about 30 seconds, and you're good for four hours, and you don't feel a thing. Wow. So, yeah, so if if you're if you're a tattoo artist ain't using a numbing cream, then bro, he's just he's just knuckling me into the dirt with that with that <laughs> needle gun. Good lord, I never even heard of that. I've got many tattoos, I never even heard of that. Yeah, thing. nah, for sure. The numbing cream is is definitely especially when you're going through eight hour sessions. You know, I went through like a, a eight hour session with you know my neck and then my, my watch, watch the microphone. My neck and then my stomach, you know. So, yeah. you know, um, definitely when you, when you uh, going through uh, that type of trauma, you wanna you wanna numb it up. Are you gonna do the John Wall bit where you just get covered head to toe? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm not finished. Yeah, no, I always no face tats though. That, but that's isn't that really millennial? It's like yeah. real millennial. Yeah, no, nah, for that. sure, no face tats. Though. No Takashi six nine the, bit. The closest to my face is maybe here, uh, but let me see. You know, behind behind, oh, behind the, the uh, ear, yeah. yeah, behind the ears, right behind the. Uh, the, the, the beard line. line. Yeah, the yeah. beard line, but uh, the face tattoos, just, uh, I think they're overrated. Yeah, I've noticed like all these millennial rappers, I don't know what you call Post Malone, whatever he is, they all got the face work done. Yeah. That all seemed like a bridge too far to me. Yeah, nah, I still, uh, I still, I'm already intimidated. And I don't need to be like that intimidated. <laughs> Fair enough. I got to tell you, well, I'm, I'm looking forward to your fight, man. Thank you. It is going to be, a, it's the, oh, real quickly, before I let you go, uh, Son and Machida, who do you like? I, I like Chael Sonnen. You know why I like him on this one, too? Yes. Got to be honest. I like it. Um, Rory versus Neiman Gracie. That's very, very one. dicey. Yes. That's dicey. And now you, you asked me that question two years ago with Neiman Gracie as good as he is today. And, 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 and Rory, as mentally focused as he was two years ago, and I'd say Rory, you know. But 
nowadays it's a toss up because we don't know. We, we don't know what kind of Rory is going to come out. So and I didn't, I'll be honest, I hadn't even in here in studio. I told him I, I didn't see him beating Ed Ruth. But he did. Yeah. But he did. Yeah. You know, and incredible. That's a, that's a cool thing about our sport. It's so many variables, so many ways to win. You know, um, you just got to pick what works for you. Well, I, I am. Uh, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled you came in here. Cannot wait to see this fight. I've been telling everyone this is the best fight this weekend. It's the two best fighters. It's the only fight that matters. It's, yeah? it's, it's incredible. Um, so I, I, I normally say uh, don't wish anyone good luck. I won't do that. But I will say thank you for coming in here. Our friends will guide you out. And uh, I look forward to seeing your fight, man. Thanks for having me. Uncle there we go. Nice meeting you. Appreciate the effort. Yes, sir. There we go. Darian Caldwell, everybody. With many, many tattoos. Uh, all right. We are trying to get hold of Mr. Sterling. Do we want to um, do we want to do some tweets? What do you want to do, Danny Segura in the back? Yeah, sure. People calling my phone in the whole time. Uh, all right. I am very excited about that. We're going to get Mr. Caldwell. We're, um, the Caldwell versus Horaguchi. That is... Uh, if you guys haven't paid attention, those are two of the best fighters in the world, and they're going to be fighting in a rematch from a Ryzen bout. This is, this is uh, well, it's everything. I mean, a legitimate claim to being one of the best bantamweights in the world, if not the best, depending on one's perspective. You got Horaguchi, top of his game, Caldwell, top of his game, change in venue, both in terms of the country, both in terms of the fighting surface. It's the real deal, man. The bantamweight division is hot. Here's how you know a division is hot. It's not just hot in one organization. It's when you look globally and you're like, damn, there are murderers everywhere. And Bellator's got a hot bantamweight division. And then you just look around the rest of the world. There's just bantamweights coming out of the woodwork, killing people. It's the same as the lightweight division. Look around the world. Where, 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 what, what is one reliable division for virtually every organization? Lightweight. Because they're just murderers up and down that thing. And that's true no matter where you go. Bantamweight is getting to that level. It's pretty close. All right. Speaking of Bantamweights, let's go to another one now. He had a phenomenal win over the weekend beating Pedro Munoz. And, um, well, I think he's your top contender. He joins us now on Skype. The one and only Funk Master is here, Aljamain Sterling. Aljamain, how are you feeling, sir? I'm feeling good. Feeling great, man. I feel like I'm on top of the world. <laughs> Ready to conquer uh, let me see your hand. Is that a cast? Yeah, it's a little bootleg cast. Something they made at the hospital for me. I guess I like tore the ligament on my thumb and all for I don't know. So I might have to have like a small surgery with like a little pin. So it takes like four weeks to heal up. So I don't know. Okay, so if they had to do some kind of title fight soon, I don't. I mean, um, Henry seems super beat up, so I don't think that they would. But I guess what you're saying is you're not going to be out for long if needed. Yeah, it's uh, they said it's a small procedure. They said um, it's probably better if I get it just so that I could have the full mobility of my thumb. I mean, after the fight, I didn't really notice it until the adrenaline came down. I was like, it's starting to bother me, but I don't know. They said this was more more important than the uh, than the leg. Uh, okay, so let's talk about your performance. Boy, that that's not your best performance ever. It's pretty close. You got to be feeling great about that. Give me your grade. <laughs> How do you grade yourself? I think I get an A+. Plus. I mean, there were some things I felt I could have done a little bit better. Of course, there's always going to be takeaways like that. Uh, there, there's some opportunities that I thought I was going to be able to capitalize on a little bit more. But Pedro's a tough dude, man. He was able to adjust on the fly also. I think I pitched a shutout in that first round. And then the second round, he made some adjustments. 
then I had to make some adjustments within that second round to, to steal back that round. So I know he was kind of picking up a little bit of momentum in there. And uh, there was that one body kick he caught me with. And I was like, oh, and I, I acknowledged it. I let him know it hurt. I was like, yeah, he got me. You know, I was okay with letting him know. I'm like, but you're not going to get me out of it like you did Caraway. I'm not going to curl up in a little fetal position in like a little ball, you know. So uh, it was a great performance, man. I definitely think I, I showed people that I can truly do it all. Now, the uh, two questions. One, was the kick one of those teeps straight up the middle? It was, well, not a teep. It was a push kick. He, push he kick, threw yeah. The, the rear leg kick, yeah, the rear leg kick that came up the middle. Um, and I think he, he threw it while I was coming in to throw a, a jab from the southwest, a jab from the southwest side or a cross from the southwest side. And uh, it just the way, just the way I think I was circling out and throwing the punch, it, it just got right underneath and just hit me right in the money spot. And uh, mm. it hurt. But a uh, good thing we were able to recover quickly. I did, I did my crunches. Uh, now, what, you mentioned you had to make some adjustments in the second round. What, what were those adjustments, or what was one of them? What was what was key that had to be different for you, for you to stay ahead? It was where my, my elbow placements were in, uh, in my stance. You know, I was kind of going a little loose with my hands, and I, I tend to keep my hands low just so I can flow a little bit better. My punches seem to come a little faster when I throw it when I keep my hands at a more of what people would consider unconventional stance, but it works for me. Uh, I wouldn't recommend it teaching it to like newcomers or whatnot, but uh, I was able to keep my elbows in a little bit tighter, which allowed me to check the kicks faster. I think there's one of the kicks in the second round he threw and I cracked him back with a, with a cross or a one, two. And uh, I felt that's when the momentum started to shift back into my, my favor. And I, I think he started to realize he, he had to really set those up and stop just spamming them because he was just spamming them at a point, just trying to touch, just trying to touch, just trying to touch. Mm. And uh, I had to just tighten up my defense the right way. And uh, once we and I was just worried about the head kick. So I didn't want to keep my hands too low, thinking body, and then it comes over the top with the, with the, with the head kick. So I did good just keeping the elbows right at home and protecting the ribs and then coming back up to be able to re return like right after he, uh, he threw his strikes. Were you surprised at his chin at all? The old boy can take a shot, can he? Oh my God! I didn't know what else I had to hit the guy with. I was, I was, I was calling to man. I was like, "Hey, can I get a, can I get a brick? Because this guy's not going down." Uh, pretty amazing. All right, but, uh, let me tell yeah, you, man, he's a tough dude. Let me tell you something that happened to me yesterday. There's, what I'm about to tell you is 100% true, Aljamain. I am not in any way exaggerating. One of one of the most decorated coaches in MMA texted me yesterday. Wow, where are you headed? Uh -huh. Where are you headed? Uh, Luminati's. Luminati's? Some deep dish pizza. Yeah. Luminati's. Oh, you're still in Chicago. Yeah, yeah, still, still out in Chi-Town. Uh, all right, well, look, I'll make this uh, relatively quick. I had a uh, one of the most decorated coaches in MMA reach out to me and say, for very technical reasons, they believe you're the toughest matchup for Henry Cejudo. When you hear something like that, how does that make you feel? Yeah, it makes me feel good, man. I, I definitely do think so. I think I possess all the talent in the world to compete with Henry. Henry's a tough dude, man. And, and I think he is the pound for pound greatest combat athlete out there today. I mean, no one's done what that guy has done and been able to accomplish. But I will say this. When I beat him, when I beat Henry Cejudo, what does that make me? 
the pound for pound king. So that's what I'm looking. To, that's what I'm looking to get my my next title. So go out there, beat up Henry, and uh, I think I'm gonna be able to take that title. I think I, I'm too long, too rangy. I can box, I can kick, I can wrestle, I can do jujitsu. Where does he win? He's got to try to catch me. So I, I like my chances in that one. All right, but he called out everybody but you. What do you make about that? <laughs> uh, because he wants to be the legend killer. The legend killer. Oh, my goodness. You want to fight guys who haven't won a fight in God knows how long? I, I don't know if he's scared or I don't. I can't call him scared. You know, he's fought some of the baddest men in our weight classes in, in history. But he calling out guys who haven't won a fight in three years, guys who are coming out of retirement who are 40. When you got young, hungry competitors that – a well-deserving of a, of a shot. I, I think there's something wrong with that. Um, wh- why is it you believe you have the skills? Like, what is it about what you offer that no one else offers? Because there's lots of people who are very, very tough competitors, but it's got to be more than that. It's the funk, baby. I bring the funk. It's a different, it's a different style. Sometimes I, people ask me, like, I, like, even when I teach my MMA classes at the gym, I, I it's hard for me to teach what I do. It's, it's just very different. It's more of a, uh, a state of flow, a state of just feel. You don't just, you can't, like, it's not a robotic thing where it's like one, two, three, kick, one, two, three, switch, switch, jab, cross. It's not like that. It's it's completely unorthodox, and everything's about rhythm, tempo, and pace, and it's, it's a different style, man. And when you factor in the wrestling, the scrambles, the jiu-jitsus, I, I just think... Uh, I'm a tough matchup for anybody in this division. Like I said before, Marlon got lucky. He got lucky. I won't make that mistake again. In terms of what Henry's going to do, he's, the UFC is going to let him remain the flyweight champ. So do you think he's going to fight Bantamweight next or he's going to go back down to 125? And I guess the question is, are you prepared to wait if you have to? <sighs> That's a tough question. That is a tough question. I never thought about that. Yeah. I, I just, for some reason, I always felt he was just going to have to defend at 35 because he won't have to cut as much weight. Um, right now, I don't think there's a number one, a clear number one contender at 25. I don't think so. Maybe Joseph Benavidez, but I know they fought already. He has a win over Henry, so that could possibly happen. Or Forminga. Oh, they, those guys are fighting each other, though, right? Yeah, end of the month, yeah. For, okay, yeah, so... Pending the results of that, I guess it's going to be decided on what's the more intriguing matchup. And hopefully it's me. I think uh, hopefully they have a boring fight. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what I'm hoping for. Jake Stoggle Wood, I'm hoping that uh, I did enough to, to impress the, uh, the UFC brass. Yeah, well, I guess we'll have to see how it goes. One more for you, and I'll let you go get that pizza. Um, I guess the thing I'm thinking about here is your striking style. You came from wrestling. You came from grappling. It's been an ace in the hole for a long time. But this one was almost 100% on the feet. And you've got a really unique style. I'm wondering, like, um, how you must feel in nurturing that part of your game to the point where you were able to establish a number one contendership on the back of that. And there's no one else that really strikes like you except kind of a little bit John Jones. Yeah, you know, it's funny. People were starting to bring back those comparisons all over again, and it kind of reminded me of the beginning of my career. And at the beginning of my career, I was very wild style, very uneducated in what I was doing. I was just doing stuff I saw on YouTube, doing stuff I saw John Jones, Anderson Silva do, and uh, it worked. Dominic Cruz, I copied a lot of stuff from those guys. And then as I got older, 
I started changing my style to more wrestling and kicking, and then I kind of switched. And now I'm kind of back to striking, but actually I know what I'm doing now. If that makes sense. It's, it's such a weird evolution the way I've been able to see myself develop, just watching the beginning of my UFC career to where I am now. It's it's a, it's a problem, man. I think it's a problem for anybody. And like I said, sometimes I don't even know what I'm what I'm looking for. It's just whatever is the opening presents itself, I, I go for it. And I'm starting to see these openings and it's starting to feel like wrestling. And I think uh, with anything, man, you got you to gotta crawl before you can run, you know? And I took my baby steps. I took my lumps on the way up. And here I am, man. Ah, June 8th. June 8th was a great day. It was a great night. It certainly was. All right, what's going to go on the pizza? Tell us. Uh, hopefully extra cheese, maybe some chicken, maybe some macaroni. On the, if they have some mac, I don't know. We're going to see what they recommend. I've, I've never done a Chicago style before, so. Well, I've got terrible uh, news for you. it's going to be a good one. It, it, it's actually delicious, but it's just not pizza. It's nothing like New York. Don't let anyone else tell you otherwise. <laughs> That's what everyone's telling me, so I don't know. I'm gonna, I heard it's a lot of dough, so. Yeah. Just going to give it a shot, you know? When in Rome, do what the Romans do. I hear you. Go get that pizza. Hey, thank you so much for your time, Aljamain. Congratulations on the win. Thanks for having me. There Make sure goes. you guys tune in. Tune in for the next show. We will. Thank you, Aljamain. Appreciate it. There he is. All right. Getting that pie. Listen, Chicago's a great town. Maybe one of America's most underrated towns. It's a phenomenal place. Your pizza is basura. I mean, it tastes fine, but it's not... You know, you need a forklift to grab a slice. No, thank you. I'll stick to the Manhattan pizza 10 times out of 10. All right, let's do this now with the time we have remaining. It is time, I believe, for a round of tweets. Let's do that, shall we? Five minutes on the clock. Here we go. Wait, wait, wait. I'm not going to start until you get the clock. There we go. Hold on. Got to get that. Got to get that timer up. There it is. There's the timer. And there we go. Okay, who do you see as the biggest threat to Valentina Shevchenko if there ever was one? Influenza is the biggest threat to Valentina Shevchenko. Short of that, not a soul. Next. Uh, Luke, there's any particular reason why Eric Albaracin's fighters are having so much success lately? You know, I asked him to come on today's show, and he wasn't available, at least not to me. So I need to dig into the details on that one a little bit more. Obviously, he has a background uh, at the senior level in wrestling himself. Uh, through the army, so he knows what takes what it takes to compete. But beyond that, I'm not really sure. I need to I need to dig into the details more. Next, uh, thoughts on Azard signing the soccer hour? <laughs> yeah, like I said, first of all, it's fine. The Jokic signing, then the Azard signing. Madrid's going to come back. They're going to sell Bale for a million dollars or whatever, a gazillion dollars. And I hope they they're not going to get Mbappe probably, but there's some other names they could get in the uh, off season. And when they do, I'm going to be even more insufferable. You peasants. All right, next. Uh, is Cejudo actually a better 135er than a 125er? Similar to how DC is a better heavyweight than a light heavyweight. Don't, that's a great question from our own Casey Lydon. Don't know the answer. Uh, need to see him compete at 135 a couple of more times because the distance issues in this fight, he was able to overcome them by somebody who was relying on another person to allow distance versus, as I mentioned before, Max Holloway, fights a distance because he forces it. I need to see how he handles somebody who is better at forcing distance. So the answer could be yes. DC we know because he started heavyweight, then went to light heavyweight, then went back to heavyweight. 
Um, I just need a bigger body of work to make a more informed judgment. But would I be surprised if he's better at 135? Not necessarily. No. Next. Is Tony Ferguson the greatest face rearranger in MMA? He certainly leaves a mark on his opponent's faces. There was actually a, a post. You go and look at the opponent's faces. So whether it was Anthony Pettis or Kevin Lee or Edson Barboza or Donald Cowboy Cerrone or, you know, on and on, Lando Venata, their faces were all super jacked up, uh, RDA, because he just puts a beating on these guys. It's not, you know, Jessica's face was probably fine because she took a shin to the dome. Um, but Ferguson just kind of really... You know, he just grinds the meat. The original face rearranger was BJ Penn. BJ Penn was the guy who was out there changing faces when it was, you know, Cal Uno and, um, God, who were some other ones? He just just utterly annihilated. DJ or uh, Diego Sanchez was one. Kenny Florian less so, but he beat him up too. But yeah, there was just a bunch of guys. He, or Joe Stevenson, when there was like a geyser out of his forehead from the rear naked choke the, after the elbow. Yeah, but Tony Ferguson has inherited that mantle. Next. Uh, Valentina Shevchenko's confidence is through the roof right now, and she is the only woman that has given Amanda Nunes trouble. Could you see them fighting again at 135? Absolutely. The 2021 Abu, da Abu Dhabi card, possibly? Well, I don't want to look that far into the future, but do I think that Shevchenko and Nunes have fought for the last time only if Nunes retires early? If she sticks around long enough, there's not a doubt in my mind they're going to fight a third time. Absolutely. Next. How long will uh, Valentina own 125 pounds? Again, unless somebody comes along, like maybe let's see what happens with Macy Barber. She's got two, three years to figure it out. Let's see. But if someone doesn't come along, just looking at the current crop, the answer is as long as she wants. Uh, short of making a huge mental error, injury, or influenza. That is it. Next. Uh, how are your sinuses working now after the surgery? Are you still mouth breathing? Would you recommend the surgery to a fellow perpetually clogged nose mouth breather like myself? I feel like it made a slight improvement. I won't say it made a dramatic improvement. I still have a lot of problems with my nose that I guess are just not fixed. I had a sinusplasty for folks who may not know what that is. Um, and here's what I would tell you, that the recovery is awful. It is awful. And that I got it during the birth of my daughter, well, two days after, was very stupid. I do not recommend that. <laughs> to anybody. Uh, look, it's made some improvements, but it's, I think I just got so much damage back there without significant intervention. It's just going to be what it's going to be. Next. Uh, which is more likely, a rematch of Tony and Cowboy or Tony getting winner of Habib and Poirier fight? Uh, again, assuming Connor doesn't intervene, Tony and Cowboy rematch, which by the way is also not going to happen. One more of these. By the way, that, just, just so it's clear, that's why they want to do Tony and Cowboy rematch. Not because there's like an unresolved question. Slightly there is, just so Connor can get leeway to fight the winner of Habib and Poirier. It's got nothing else to do with anything. One more, one more, one more, one more. All right. Should the UFC simply give Valentina a belt every three or four months in order to save a couple of handfuls or so lives? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, here I am saying all this, and now, you know, she may go in there and lose against Chukagan. I don't see that happening. Chukagan's a fine fighter. She's a good fighter. She's a nice person. Um, you know, you're just dealing with somebody who is utterly beyond that. Um, so, like I said, what do you do when the most qualified contender for a fight is so far behind that it's a mismatch? I don't know mismatches in like one's better. A mismatch is that when one is so much better, it ends up resulting in a horrible consequence for the loser. That's what you saw here.
Like they just get thoroughly thrashed. Uh, all right. Big thanks to, let's see. By the way, I don't want to forget this. Bellator NYC this weekend, uh, Friday, I believe. Can't wait for that. Big thanks to Darren Caldwell for coming in here. Congrats to Aljamain Sterling. Hell of a win over the weekend. Thank you guys. Keep sending those tweets using the hashtag the MMA Hour. Keep calling 844-866-2468. International callers, the MMA Hour at voxmedia.com. And until next time, stay frosty, donks. <laughs>